0: Hello and thank you for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. We're so glad that you could join us. On the doorposts of traditional Jewish homes, you'll quite often see a small case like this one. I don't know if anyone here has ever seen one of these before. Uh, it's it's called a mezuzah, Uh, and it's nailed or fixed on the doorposts of the house. It's not, uh, as some people think it is, a good luck charm, and it doesn't have any connection with the lamb's blood that was placed on the doorposts in Egypt. Uh, The mezuzah was meant to be a constant reminder of God's presence and God's commandments. In Deuteronomy 6, God commanded the Israelites to keep his commandments constantly in their minds and in their hearts by teaching them to their children, by talking about them every day and night, by tying them as symbols on their hands and binding them to their foreheads, and finally by writing them on the doorposts of their houses. And and it's a commandment that Orthodox Jews take very seriously. Now for the doorposts, the words of Deuteronomy 6 are written on a tiny scroll of parchment like this one. And you can see it's got a little bit of Hebrew on there. So this scroll uh, with Deuteronomy 6 uh, will be rolled up, placed into the case. Uh, and then there's the little plug on this one, uh, Amazon's finest. And then with the scroll inside this little case, uh, they're nailed or screwed onto the right side of a doorpost. There's little screw holes here. And they, they put it at a little bit of an angle. Uh, and there'll usually be a small ceremony they'll have uh, and a blessing recited. And each time that you'd pass through the door, you're supposed to kiss your fingers and touch it as you go through, uh, which expresses love and respect for God and for his commandments. And it reminds yourself of the commandments that are contained on the scroll inside of it. And so as the is hung on the door and as, as they walk through the doorway and acknowledge its presence every time they go through, Uh, They acknowledge the presence of God in their lives and in their home. And they acknowledge that their home is dedicated to keeping the commandments found in Deuteronomy 6, known as the Shema, which means "hear." Jews prayed the Shema three times a day, in the morning when they woke up, in the evening when the sun set, and then when they went to bed. The words that are on the scroll in here were held in such high esteem that Jewish children were made to memorize them as soon as they were able to do so. N.T. Wright, who's a very well-known Christian theologian, says that to pray the Shema was to embrace the yoke of God's kingdom, to commit oneself to God's purposes on earth, um, as in heaven, whatever it might cost. So what's so important about the words in Deuteronomy 6? That's what we're going to learn over the next four weeks as we study the Shema together in Deuteronomy 6, and as we unpack the call to God's people, both then and today, to honor God and to love him with all our heart, soul, and strength. So let's begin by reading this passage I keep referencing, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 9. And I'll ask you all to stand with me as I read this. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You may be seated. So in these first couple verses, we have a call to hear. There's a description of God, and there's a command to follow, and there's instructions on how to follow those commands. But today, all I really want to talk about is the call to hear and the description of God. That's all we're going to do today. So I'm going to read these first couple words again. Hear, O Israel. That first word, here, is the Hebrew word shema. That's why it's called the shema. It's to hear. But what does it truly mean, to hear? Now, here's what I mean by that question, and I might get myself in trouble with my wife at the back. Um, Hopefully I won't. But when Larissa talks at home, I hear her. I recognize she's talking. (laughs) But a few hours later, when she asked me if I did what she asked, and I don't remember her asking me anything, (laughs) I may have heard her talking, but was I really listening? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) And what I'm trying to say by that is that sometimes Hebrew and Greek words do not have a perfect English equivalent, or we don't pick the right English equivalent. So in English, hearing and listening are not necessarily the same thing. You can hear someone without listening. But in the case of the Shema, this command, hear, O Israel, it means a lot more than to simply recognize the sound of someone talking. In the Bible, in imagery that we see in Scripture, the ear is synonymous with the heart and mind. Uh, when someone says, listen, hear, or open your ears to hear, they're talking about their heart, their mind. It, it's an organ of understanding and cognition. And so to hear is not just to recognize a sound, like you hear a fire truck going by. To hear is instructional. It's to follow and to agree And obey. And so the Hebrew word Shema is so much stronger than just hearing the sound of talking. And so that's where I want to begin today. Before we go any further, I want to ask you are you ready to not just hear the words of the Shema and all of Scripture, but to also accept and to obey them? Let's continue. So the rest of that verse is Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. First of all, anytime you see in your Bible, if you have a print Bible, probably you'll notice the word Lord is in all capital letters. Uh, and, and the reason that our Bibles do that is because we're not familiar with the actual name of God that's recorded in Scripture. So they translated Lord with all capital letters, but in the actual original translations, that's the name of God. Um, in Hebrew, Now, the vast majority of scholars now believe that it was pronounced Yahweh, uh, but we're not 100% sure because fortunately there's no vowels in the name when it's written in Hebrew, so we kind of have to fill in the blanks a little bit. There's four ways these words can be translated in this passage, four slightly different inflections. Your translation is probably similar to one of these. The first one is Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. Second is, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh alone. The third is, Yahweh, is our, Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. And the fourth, Yahweh our God is one Yahweh. Now, whichever way your Bible says it, uh, there's slightly different inflections, maybe slightly different applications you can take out of it, but the message is similar, and the core point, the, the main point, is the same, and that is this. There is only one God, and his name is Yahweh. There is no other. He is one God, not many. This is the first part of the message that God speaks to the people through Moses in these verses. So whatever your translation says, however it reads, the, the point is that God was to be the sole object of Israel's worship, allegiance, and affection. And quickly going back to those first few words, hear, O Israel. So this command is not to individuals. It was to Israel as a nation, to the entire community of people. They were being seen and talked to as one entity. So not only is God one, but in this passage, so was is Israel itself. And that means God is one, He alone is to be worshipped, but it also means the people were one, so they must worship and obey as one. Now those two concepts, that God alone is God, and that He alone is to be worshipped, combined with the call for Israel to hear and obey as one people sets the stage for everything else we see in the Shema. Uh, But that's what we're going to look at next week. Today, Before we go any further, before we consider anything else, I want us to stop and hear, truly hear, and consider just these first few words, just a small little bite. What does it mean for us today that God alone is sovereign, that there is no other, and that we are a people together, one body? What does it look like for us today? To hear these words in the true biblical sense, not in the modern sense? What what does it mean for us to hear the words of this passage in the sense of hearing, listening, and obeying? So, first of all, this is kind of beating a dead horse. There's only one God, and He alone is to be worshiped. He stands alone in time and out of time, and there is no other. And if there's one lesson we can learn from Scripture throughout the Old Testament, is that God is, in fact, a jealous God. He is jealous for our worship. If He is not the only one that we worship, He will not be worshipped at all. Israel understood from the earliest times that their worship was to be stricted to God alone. They repeated the Shema, these verses, multiple times daily to remind themselves and their home of Israel's sole attraction and center of worship. I'll quote N.T. Wright again, because he has a lot to say about the Shema, and I'm a big N.T. Wright fan. Uh, But he says this about the understanding of the actual act of reciting the Shema in the Jewish community. He says, At the heart of Pharisaic Judaism, as with their successors, the rabbis, stood prayer. At the heart of daily prayer stood the Shema, one subsequent way of referring to someone who is reciting or praying the Shema was to say that they were accepting upon themselves the kingdom of heaven. Or in other words, through reciting the Shema, they were declaring that, Israel, that Israel's God alone was the true king of the world. Now, we, of course, are not usually guilty of worshipping other deities. Uh, it's not often that we see... Um, people sacrificing animals uh, around New Glasgow to to strange other uh, entities, but at the same time, we do worship things. We put things before God in our hearts, and we build our lives up around them. We make ourselves the kings and queens of our own worlds and lives. So before we can move further We have to recognize and begin by accepting that God alone deserves to be honored in our lives as God. He stands alone. Like Israel, followers of Jesus must see Jesus alone, alone as the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. We must direct our lives to be firmly rooted in Jesus, as the eternal and only Lord. And I think everyone needs a reminder sometimes that God alone is deserving of our worship. There's many temptations that exist in the world around us that will attempt to to steal our love for him. And as we move through the days of our lives, the reminder that God alone is worthy of praise calls us back time and time again to trust in him alone for all things. As people, sometimes we all kind of fail to see that our worship can be careless or without honor, even if we appear to be engaged. There's a well-known preacher that says there's two factors that kind of cause this careless worship, failure to feel the greatness of God's sovereign love and his majestic fatherhood. What he says is that if you don't see the greatness of God, then all the things that money can buy become very exciting. If you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a street light. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you will be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. So that's the first truth I want us to see this week, is that There's only one God, and he alone is deserving of all our worship. It's a truth that we all know, but it's also a truth that we have to continually remind ourselves of every day because sometimes we get distracted. The second truth I want to share with you is this, uh, and this is just as we start to study the Shema together. Jesus has reaffirmed all of this to us. We, We can't just brush these words off as Old Testament And it's something that's no longer relevant to our lives. I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, who was an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now if that sounds familiar, it's because he was directly quoting the Shema. So to Jesus, the Son of God, who brought us the new covenant paid with his blood... The most important commandment in all of Scripture is still the Shema. Which means that it is still under the New Covenant the most important commandment for us today. To love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And secondly, to love our neighbors ourselves. It's not in the original Shema, but Jesus often takes the Old Testament and actually elevates it and makes it more work in some ways but without the weight of having to do it to save yourself. But it is still the the commandments that we have as Christians. And this means that we still need to hear. We still need to listen to his word and we need to obey it. It means that God is still the only God and he is still the only one deserving of our worship. So as we conclude this morning, I want you to keep these thoughts in mind this week. Uh, The the Jewish community pray these words multiple times a day. So I'm going to challenge us, since they do that multiple times a day, to just keep them in your hearts and mind this week. Ask yourself, are you willing to hear what God has to say to you? Are you willing to not just hear, but to listen and to obey? Not just when it's easy, but when it's hard. When maybe you don't want to hear what he has to say to you. And ask yourself this week, is God the only one I worship? Do I give him the honor, glory, worship, and affection that he deserves? Or am I distracted and entertained by things that pale in comparison to what God has to offer me? So as we uh, finish up this morning and as we head downstairs and share fellowship together, and then head home to begin another week, my prayer for all of us is that we will have ears to hear what God has to say to us, and that He will be the sole object of our worship, allegiance, and affection. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much, first and foremost, for your son Jesus, for his sacrifice that has paid for our sins and has freed us from being held to account under every single small detail of the law, that our sins have been paid for. But God, we recognize that Jesus has also upheld this command to us to love you with all our hearts and souls and strength. We confess that we don't always do that very well. and We ask for the strength to do it better more and more every day. Pray for the food that we're about to eat, that you would bless it to our bodies and... Bless all the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come and join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on service times, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and have a great week.